I'm Lord Beemelzebub, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith in unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed, I'm an atheist. Coming to you as we near year's end, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I was told you shouldn't do dad jokes if you're not a father. That would be a faux pas. Exactly. <laughs> Joining me as usual is the team with bad comedy taste. She just ended a five-year relationship, but don't worry about it. It wasn't hers. Nancy. Oh. I think Nancy could, like, totally do, like, a 50-year relationship. She could break that long commitment up. Oh, yeah. It's Nancy. She's worth it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and five-year relationship, that's just like, hello. Yeah, exactly. She wonders if she's getting older or the supermarket's finally playing good music. Christina. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And she'll tell you that the last part of uh, the last part of you to die are your pupils because they dilate. Oh, <laughs> oh Kevin! Welcome back. Oh, Kevin. I love it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Hello, ladies. How was the week? I don't really remember. Okay. I'm being truthful. Sleep has not been the greatest, so I'm a little tired. It's been a very tiring week. So today we'll be talking to Alex Muir of Dying with Dignity. And uh, it's very apropos during the holiday season. A lot of people think of their lost loved ones and people that are on the verge of going. So. I was going to say something totally different, but okay. Yeah. Okay. okay sure. <laughs> <laughs> but first, let's do a chit-chat. Okay. Now, you guys hear there's something trending uh, these days. Uh, I know there's always been uh, tedious relationships between generation, but have you guys heard of this? Oh, okay, okay, boomer. Oh, okay, boomer. Thank you, best saying to ever uh, come out of anything. Oh the my thing that God, is literally yes. like my soul words. <laughs> you know okay, the boomer. Same. Payback's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I realized how far out of the current loop I am because mm-hmm. I saw that and I thought I have no idea what that well, means. I had to go. Let, I had to let a millennial to explain it to about. you if you yeah. want. Yes. No, so, explain it again. I looked it up, but please mm, explain it so, again. For the last, gosh, I do not know how long. Years? It has been, <laughs> oh, millennials are killing this. Oh, millennials are so entitled. Blah, oh, blah, and it's this. like so frustrating because so many baby boomers think the world is exactly the same as when they grew up. Yeah. They think you can go to college by working for a summer at a fast food place. You can't. I wish. They think you can buy a house if you just save for 10 years. You can't. Okay, I'm I'm part of Generation X, and you know what? I will will tell you. I will tell you right off the bat. um, And this is, of course, not pointing to a specific person. Mm -hmm. But the boomers, as a a generation, are probably the worst generation ever. Yep. Ever. And they I just, followed yeah. the greatest generation we you know that won the war. They had they they had to work hard to rebuild the economies and all that, but everything they do is just geared towards me, myself, mm-hmm. and I. And they don't give a rat's ass about anything that comes down the road. And for twenty years, like you said, they've been going, Oh, millennials are so entitled to yeah. the point but now, even the quote, the, the term millennial encompasses Generation Z. Yep. And they'll, they'll talk about these 18-year-old kids and they're calling them millennials, yeah, which like, are not. Um, no, not. I am 
Chris and I are at the tail end exactly. of a boomer. Um, I'm not a boomer. Oh, like, my God. The, literally the of, tail end of, of the millennial. millennial. And, 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 and now, of course, the millennials are starting finally to get to... to, to to, to give mm-hmm. their voice and say, you know what? Yeah. Okay, Boomer, well, shut and, up. And it's know? really interesting when you realize what Okay, Boomer is for a millennial. It's for so long we have tried to educate the older generation mm-hmm. on what we're actually facing. I was like, okay, yeah, we're steering down a climate crisis that will mean our very existence will be different than yours. We are steering down a housing crisis that it's like, we can't like so many people are homeless because they can't afford to eat and pay rent and they choose eating to live Mm. and it's we're just at the point where it's like well why even bother trying to explain anymore so we're just like okay boomer yeah exactly okay but but, but don't you find what what redeeming qualities do you find or what things do you find you have in common because well, do you think every this is any different every generation has outliers. Exactly, every generation has outliers. And like every generation is always complaining there, about the previous one. And there the following are one. people who, my age who have the same mindset as a baby boomer, and I'm gonna say, okay, boomer to them. Yeah, if they have the same like, oh my gosh, people are so entitled. Like, just get over yourself. And in when you're just trying to express like. Yeah, life is freaking hard right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then yeah, I'm gonna say okay, boomer to them. Uh-huh. I've got countless stories of speaking to um, um, Generation uh, Z and millennials, you know. And I remember one in particular where, where the, this guy came out of college, and, uh, and basically his parents told him the uh, the old the old adage of oh, you know, when I was your age, I started with nothing. And he said to me, he says, I wish I could start with nothing. Right. I'm coming out of college right. university with 30 grand in debt. Exactly. If I marry my sweetheart, she's got the same amount. I'm 60 grand in the yeah. hole, and I've got no prospect for a job. I wish I could start with nothing. And this right. is what I think what, what the boomers are missing is they think, like you said, they actually mm-hmm. think the world is the same when they grew up. Yeah. And it's a, it's a problem. It really is a problem. And they really think that things like climate change, oh, no, that's just a c- conspiracy from China right. and shit like that. It's like, no, well, you know, you had your fun with the planet. You're about to check out. You yeah. know, we got to clean up your mess. And exactly. Unfortunately for my generation, Generation X, I'm afraid that we haven't been super vocal about this, and we should be more yeah. vocal about this. Uh, but I think it's very interesting to see the backlash for the boomers finally mm-hmm. saying, you know, I even had some arguments on, on social media saying, oh, well, you know, you need to respect your elders no matter what. Well, no. I'm sorry. No. The respect is earned. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't earn, you don't yeah. have respect automatically because of a number of your age. No. Right? Well, you is it not. mostly that you think boomers... Or is it the boomers that are conservative? Because you, you, there are boomers who have been very progressive mm-hmm. and who have oh, started totally. businesses and so yeah. forth. So, you know, to lump everybody, to lump all we, we can't, the yeah. millennials, like, but you no. feel as though there just isn't the understanding of, of what you're going through? I think for the majority of people who are classified as boomers, there isn't, is not that understanding. But I definitely think there are yeah, empathetic people who are older who can have a conversation yeah. with a younger individual and understand where they are. I feel like those people are more likely to have faced adversity in their life. <laughs> I, I think what the, 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 well, the yeah. saying basically says is, 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 of course, it's not an individual. But what I think what they're saying is, as a whole, 
the, 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 the baby boomer generation has failed the future generations coming behind it. They have failed to look out for the next generation. This is the first time in the history of mankind where the next generation has a lower lifespan or life expectancy mm-hmm. than the boomers. That's kind of sad. And that's, yeah. that's really sad. And that, that's a failure of you as a parent in a way, mm-hmm. right? If, yeah. if your children are going to have a tougher life than you, you have kind of failed as a parent. Mm-hmm. And I think this is exactly what the OK Boomer basically refers mm-hmm. to. It says, okay, we can't count on you guys. We're going to have to clean our, uh, this mess up ourselves. Kind and of, we're done with you. Like. And it's, of course, it's not every baby boomer, of no, course. No, of course. But Just like every millennial isn't identical. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But and as a whole. It's really, really funny when you realize why this specific OK Boomer has taken off so much. Mm-hmm. Because... <laughs> For the longest time, older generations were like, oh my gosh, these millennials are like so like so um, like delicate, and they're just so offended over everything. And the and and when what we're getting offended over is in- inclusivity and like equality, and yeah, don't call people racist like things like don't be racist. And, and, these, and these are easy yeah. numbers to, to crunch too. But, yeah. since the nineteen sixties. But in, in, in terms of what you're saying, it's, it's the boomers have actually created the millennials and no, don't understand that. I, I think the boomers have made OK Boomer such a big thing because the only reason millennials and younger generations are saying OK Boomer so much right now is because we know it irks them. Yeah. And, and as soon as you if, find that, like, I found the button. Yeah. You're going to keep pushing the button. Yeah. That's the only reason people are going yeah. so crazy with and OK I, Boomer. I think the boomers are reacting to that because for once they actually have pushback. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I hang out with a totally different crowd because mm-hmm. most of the people that I know in that generation are the ones who are, who are fighting for social totally. justice. Totally. Yes. Yeah. You know, who have, who have made the atheist movement, mm-hmm. you know, more visible to everybody who have, you know, been more entrepreneurial. Yes. So it, it's it's yeah, like but, it's a mixed yeah, bag. And I totally I mean, you're looking understand at the worst, that there are You're looking at the people. worst in each other, you know, and, and OK mm-hmm. Boomer or, you know, I think we need to do a show. We need to do a show about this, actually. I think, we should, <laughs> I think we should do an episode about that. <laughs> oh, I think Just so. Boomers. But yeah. Nancy, you got to also remember, you know, uh, the, the, the crowd you're hanging with, there's not a whole lot of 5,000-year-old people anymore, right? Exactly. So, I mean, it's, uh, you guys are not the Boomers. You guys are like the <laughs> yeah. venerable ancient ones. That's yeah, different. Yeah, on, I'm be, being serious, like an yeah, actual. Because I predate, I predate yeah, the boomers. I, I was about to say, like, I'm pretty sure you predate the boomers. I do predate the boomers, <laughs> yeah. but I've known a lot of boomers, mm-hmm. you know, who um, who have that awareness and who have yeah. the idea that okay, the, the the boomers have done things to the environment mm-hmm. that need to be reversed, mm-hmm. like now. Yeah, and, and they've created yeah. the. Um, the difficulties, you know, mm-hmm. in, and the the um, it created the difficulties in, in housing and and um, uh, education yeah. and so forth that people are yeah. are fighting. So it's up to all of us, mm-hmm. you know, to try and get along. But I uh, I think I understand it a little yeah. better. I, I think the millennials. You know, but I but I don't I don't see that the animosity is any greater than it was when I was your age and mm. looking at my I, parents. And I their think generation. the only thing that's different is the internet. Yeah. Is that yeah. we can all oh, band yeah, together so. and make memes? I, I, I think, you know, I really it's think that's, that's probably it. That yeah. the that the ideas go so much faster at mm-hmm. this point, and people join a movement so yeah. much. It doesn't take that long for a movement to to get some traction. Yeah. Okay, no. I got to move on here. We gotta, oh. We're running against the we, box. Yeah, okay. we can talk okay, about boomer. this. Okay, <laughs> boomer. <laughs> 
Oh, five points on that one for sure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Did you guys hear that the outer uh, limits of the uh, solar system, which is called the heliosphere, is approximately 12 billion miles from Earth, right? Of course, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. Uh, Voyager... Um, light, light years. No, 12 billion, billion. miles. Mi- wait, I'm miles. so confused. Yes. Um, that makes no sense. It sure does. Uh, Voyager 2 uh, decided to uh, basically cross that border now and uh, now is into interstellar space. Oh my gosh, I get it now. Oh my god, my brain is so slow. (laughs) It sent a a faint signal back. Uh, Voyager 2 uh, left before Voyager 1, actually one month before, uh, but it took six years longer for it to reach because it kind of took the scenic route. That's fair. Now it's in interstellar space and uh, the solar wind, uh, 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 they finally realized that because the solar winds are basically dropped. And uh, and um, there's also an increase in plasma. So the signal takes approximately 16 hours to reach Earth. And uh, f- unfortunately, the decaying plutonium power uh, pack that they have is projected to fall below critical in the mid-2020. Sad. Well, they can't go on forever, right? But wow. the, yes. even after it's, like, dead and silent. It'll still be moving. The craft, well, yeah, the craft goes moving. It will move until mm-hmm. forever, right? Uh, so Because there's no resistance in space. That's exactly it. No one will hear you scream. Did you guys hear, here in Canada, did you guys hear this whole thing about Wexit? Yeah, it's so stupid. Yeah, the, it's the stupidest we just, thing We just ever. had an election here in Canada. Just, it's so the, stupid. The, the liberals were re-elected. Uh, basically, uh, there's uh, this movement called Wexit, which is supposed to be the West exiting, kind of like yeah. a Brexit. This happens with every election yeah. in every country. It's just stupid. Uh, the funny thing is, is uh, the, the founders of Wexit are actually far-right conspiracy theorists. Yeah, yeah. that's why it's stupid. <laughs> there's a guy called Peter Downing. He's an ex-cop, and he thinks Justin Trudeau is normalizing pe- pedophilia. <laughs> he pushes anti Muslim oh, conspiracies damn. and there's also another guy called Patrick King he's a quote self-styled journalist we all know what that means <laughs> and he says that Justin Trudeau is trying to depopulate the white Anglo-Saxon race oh <laughs> man unfortunately uh, for a lot of people that don't spend a lot of time doing a re- research uh, Wexit now uh, Facebook Wexit has over 250,000 people members. yeah but the funny thing is how many of those are actually living in the west of Canada oh I don't know and, you know, and, and the funny thing is, it seems to be Alberta and Saskatchewan. BC doesn't seem to be falling with us. Yeah, because we're, like, have yeah. better things to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, so, um, we just had Halloween, and in uh, New York, the, I don't know if you guys heard the story, there was a Burger King that celebrated Halloween <laughs> yes. by dressing up as a ghostly McDonald's. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, that was oh, that magical. Was so funny. They, they, they covered the, uh, the Burger King in a big white blanket, and they spray-painted McDonald's, and, and they also there was a sign that said, Boo! Just kidding, we still flame grill our burgers. <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> Apparently, they also had their uh, burgers in uh, matching uh, containers that said McDonald's. Oh, my <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> there is some deep, deep rivalry going between Burger King and McDonald's because I Obviously. feel like that's not the first time I've seen Burger King do something like that to McDonald's. <laughs> I, I think, uh, well, they're trying to punch up because let's face it, McDonald's is, is much bigger than Burger King. And actually, the biggest competition to McDonald's, believe it or not, is not Burger King. Wendy's? No, it's actually Subway. Oh, I can totally. See it. Yeah, because I can totally you gotta remember, that. Like, people think that McDonald's sells burgers. McDonald's doesn't sell burgers; they sell franchise. So, <laughs> if you go, go by the number of franchise per town and all that, you realize that the competition McDonald's is Subway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Moving on, uh, my dear Nancy, you got a top ten for us? I do. Right, it it might the... turn into a top twenty, just depending on how we feel. Okay. This is a fun. This is really fun. This is, let's say, twenty. Amazing, 
obsolete words in the English dictionary oh, that we should bring fun. back to life. Yes, I love words. Oh, I words love words. I knew we all love Especially words. Especially fun words. I've been, I don't like words. This has been on my list for a long, I'm bad with long, words. long time. So here's, here's some um, uncommon words that were very common at one time. Um, and they're words that we could really have fun with if we could remember them. So if you're listening, replay this. Get a pencil or get your computer out so that you can type it in because these are really, really fun, fun words. Okay, the first one, and these aren't in any particular order, they just how they, they turned out on the list. Crapulous. Crapulous? Oh, oh, that thinking. probably shouldn't come back. It has to do with feeling crappy, but it's not entirely wrong. <laughs> it, means, it means to feel ill from excessive eating or drinking. Like feeling crapulous in the morning after your cake binge worthy birthday celebration. Okay, and, and that actually. We have Christmas and New Year's coming up. We need to bring that, that word back. That, that actually is a really good word. <laughs> I feel crapulous. I feel crap. You have to, say, you have to say it with a reason. smile. Yeah. Feel crapulous day. That, uh, that's yeah. actually amazing. That's a beautiful that word. word. This one I love. Grumpish. Grumpish. Yeah, it dates back to the 1720s. Is it kind of grumpy? It, it's no. It's an alternative to sullen or grumpy. It sounds like a Pokemon. Yeah, grumpish. but grumpish instead of grumpy. You know, so it's, it's a minor change. I choose you, grumpish. I'm feeling grumpish. Yeah. But, yeah. No, no, that is. I like it. Yeah. In I like certain it. sentences, it would like sound better. I like it. Okay, number three, groke. Groke. So, groke. G-R-O-A-K. The origin is unknown, but it means to watch someone silently as they eat. Ew! Yeah. Ew! In the Ew. hope. Why? But here's the second part of it. You're watching someone silently as they eat in hopes that you will be, that you'll be invited to join them. So basically what dogs do. For instance, <laughs> yeah. In a way, yeah. That's a good one. I actually tested that theory out on my mother once because whenever the dog would stare at her, she would give the dog food. So I tried it out once and I got food. So like, Oh, I just had a right, visual like, of you <laughs> sitting on the floor with banging eyes to get your mom up by the chair. Yeah, it's like, how am I supposed to enjoy my steak while that guy is groping, while that dog is groking at me? That's kind of the whole point. Yeah. And anyway, so it's, it's groking. So that... That's a lot of fun. I, I know, just call I that know, hovering. It's hard to work that one in a lot of times to, you know, normal conversation, but it's there if you need it. Pismire. Pismire? Pismire. It could be pismire, P-I-S-M-I-R-E. Hmm. It's a word that is derived from a small insect and piss, believe it or not, Ew. defined as an ant. Hey, look, there goes another pismire. It's sort of like a little tiny thingy, hmm. but you don't know what else to call it. Huh. So it's like a... Pismar. That's a Rather strange one. A yeah. bug. <laughs> a snow broth, which is which goes back to the 1590s. It refers to freshly melted snow. I was thinking the exact yeah. same. Probably when yeah. you melt snow. It, it it it's a perfect carpet of white on the lawn. It used to be a perfect carpet of white, but now it's snow broth. Until you so, took yeah, a flamethrower so to it. So it's slush. Slush. We call uh, it slush. slush. I, I find that's something a kid would do when he's playing fort inside the in snow and he's kind yeah. of playing house inside his fort. Is that what I made snow, snow broth yeah. for dinner? It's <laughs> quite literally what it is. So I can't even pronounce this one, but I'm going to try. Excogigate. E X C O G I G A T. 
Oh, it probably has a weird pronunciation. It's to plot, plan, or devise. It, it means to to bring out by thinking. Here, so, oh, what paper? is the Excogorite rating about? Which one? Yeah, it's the top one. Excogate. Excogate, thank you. It's what could he be thinking what is he thinking about? Yeah, I okay. could. An appropriately a, fitting word, word, I think. It's a, it's a nice word. I think you gotta really work hard to master it, though. Mm-hmm. Number seven is apricity. You know when it's a cold winter's day, but the sun is shining. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I love those days. That's apricity. Those are the and best days. That is a pretty word to fit a pretty apricity. day. Apricity. Yeah. Apricity. Yeah. That is. It sounds. It sounds clear and crisp. It's a great word. So would you use this it one? A, I think we still. State? Yeah. This one I think um, we use, people still use, but um, uh, it, but it's still on the list, and that's twaddle. Twaddle. Oh, twaddle. Yeah. It's gossip. It's in stop twaddling and get back to. Oh it. yeah, <laughs> I've heard You're that word. You're that in books still. Yeah, is that a British it's thing? It's still around. Twaddle. Hmm? That's a British thing, right? I think it's a British word. Sounds oh. like it. British or Australian, whatever. Okay. That's very likely how we heard it. Because yeah. It's a British thing. N- number nine is elf lock. If elf you have lock? wavy hair. And you wake up with a tangled, that's elf lock. As though the elves have tied your hair in knots during the night. Kind of like fairy twists. Like yeah. elf locks. They're kind of nice. That's neat. Um, number so ten, my whole head. Yeah. Number 10 is gorgonize. Gorgonize? It means to have a mesmerizing effect on someone. It, it, you can use it as a sentence. I was gorgonized by his charisma. We call that Twitter pated now. We do yeah. call that Twitter pated. No, yeah. no, probably not because Twitter pated specifically is when you're like have a crush on someone and oh, you have right. the crush it back on you. So to me, it right. doesn't sound like mesmerizing. It's too. It's this too harsh it sounds menacing because of the yeah. gorgons, right? Yeah, right. This is more like I don't know. My brain stopped working for a sec there. I lost <laughs> my train of thought. It's this is a neat one. Cockalorum. Cochlorum? It comes from seventeen. Well, I know why we don't use it anymore. It, it refers to a little man who has a high opinion of himself. Oh, it's so fitting. He's a total It's so fitting. Yeah, I mean, it could be used for Trump, but he's not a little guy. No. I, well, his hands are pretty little. <laughs> yes, hands are pretty I am. I'm so glad that when you guys said that word, none of you looked at me there. I'm really, really happy. Thank you. <laughs> You don't fit that. Wait, the list isn't done yet. Yeah, right? (laughs) Number 12, Snout Fair. It doesn't refer to a festival of cute pigs. It actually refers, this is really strange, to a good-looking person. And it comes from the 1500s. As the girl who plays Supergirl... Total snout fair. I wouldn't. I, I mean, it just doesn't. Doesn't quite doesn't fit. fit. No. Not For a, me, not a, it kind of makes me think of like someone who looks really nice but is an asshole. Yeah. So like you think it's snooty, right? That's what you want. Well, no, not snooty, but like someone who like on the outside is like really gorgeous but then you get to know them and you're like oh my god you're such pretty an sure asshole. there's a German word for that and I forget what it is because asshole it's a German <laughs> word but like. There's some good German. It's not fair for me, so like somebody that smells good. That's what I was thinking. Like I'm like, and that's what. Oh yeah, I can't smell, so that's probably Number why I didn't think of that. Number thirteen in the 1780s, they called a fat person a jollux. A jollux. I don't know if it had anything to do with jolly and and weight or whatever, but jollux was a a slang word. <laughs> Number fourteen is curl curl C-U-R-G-L-A-F-F. 
when you get into really cold water and you want to scream, that shock is Kerglef. Is it Kerglef? Can I see it? Kerglef, number 14. You want to finish them? Because you're better reading these than I am. It makes me think it's more like it's Kerglef. It's very strange. I mean, it, Kerglef. It, it, it makes me think it might be more Kerglef I mean, it, versus Kerglef. It's, so, it's so harsh to our lives, you know, yeah. now. I mean, you really have to... Know. We just call that been, polar bear swimming. Yeah, it must have been easier to deal with really? these kinds of work. Well, the thing I is, just call that swimming in the summer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Number 15 is rabble. When you heard... Oh, um, we still uh, use this word. Rabble? That's, that's, that's people who are having a loud argument. They're brabbling over something oh, inconsequential. We call that rabble. Yeah, brabble. Yeah, but are. now it's just like a rabble. Brabble. Has no That's one else heard this word? Well, I have. Is that I... what the hamburger is? Rabble, rabble. rabble. <laughs> we number just dropped six... the B. Yeah, number 16, Twitter light. And it doesn't mean the backlight on the phone. It's a 1600s alternative to the time of day we call twilight. Oh, oh my god, I like it. Twitter light, yeah. I love it. Twitter light. That's really pretty. Yeah, 17 is lunting. In the 1820s, gentlemen would call would enjoy a post-meal lunt, which means they could go for a walk and smoke a pipe. So they were lunting. Why would you walk after eating? That's the perfect time to lay down and not move. Well, you know, a stroll. Like people, they say, people, uh, they say yeah. a walk after eating actually, actually facilitates digestion. Yeah, but I not when you're in a turkey coma. Down and not move. I, I like this one. This beef-witted. For somebody who's stupid. <laughs> oh my god, it's I love so it. It's so perfect. Yeah, number so 19 perfect. is monsterful, and from the 1800s, it refers to something extraordinary and wonderful. Hmm. It was monsterful. Yeah, I like that. And the 20th, I'm going to give number 20 to you because you're going to be able to say it much better than I can. At the bottom of the page. Uh, okay, so one second. Califgan? There you go. I'll accept it. And the meaning is? Uh, this word is so... Sorry, something the likes of J-Lo or Beyonce own. While it is used... Where is it? In the 1640s, it means to have a beautifully shaped butt. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. There are all <laughs> kinds of lists. If anybody's interested, you can always Google obsolete. Beyonce does have obsolete a very words. nice. And butt. there are so many. These are just twenty out of, you know, a thousand or so. That you I, I couldn't. I couldn't help but pull my list here because I've got a list of what I call Shakespearean insults. Oh I've my got, gosh! I've got three columns, and you just pick from column A, column B, and column yeah. C. So uh, you could be a, a, a frothy, a crook-paid uh, mammoth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Shakespearean insults. They're wonderful. They're words. wonderful. They are. Because we're getting so crass now because we're so polarized. Yeah. So we need to bring out some of these elegant words rather yeah. than, you know, calling each other really crass. Yeah, so yeah. let's have some class. Yeah, let's have some class let's in have our some class polarization. I like calling people fuck nuggets. Yeah. I like it when you call people fuck nuggets too. That, that's my word. I love fuck number nuggets. 21 on that list. Keep the list. Yeah. Oh, boy. Fuzzle. Fuzzle? Fuzzle. <laughs> what does it mean? Uh, it's what probably happened to you on your stag night. In the 1910s, friends would gather and get fuzzled to have a good time. So it means drunk or intoxicated. Oh, nice. Fuzzle. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Thank you so much, my dear Nancy. All right. My dear Kirsten. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, hi. Yeah, hi. <laughs> you got another brilliant for us? I got distracted by Fuzzle. Fuzzle? You get Fuzzle? I do. Okay, um. Brought to you by religion. So, back in May on the National Day of Prayer, Donald Close. Trump. I know, I know. Just. I'll, I'll wait. I'll hold it in. Hold your barf bags. <laughs> <laughs> I announced to catch my barf. <clears throat> yes. Uh, the finalization announced the finalization of a rule that would allow doctors, nurses, insurance providers, and employers to refuse service if it violated their religious beliefs. So we know that's bad. Mm-hmm. In short, he wanted to take the bigotry of the evangelical Christian bakers and apply it to the medical industry. Of course. Conservatives celebrated the decision because to them, Christian doctors rejecting patients was more important than patients getting the health care they needed. And Christianity Today, a publication that believes committed gay and lesbian couples are destructive to to society, said the move was a major religious freedom victory, particularly for pro-life evangelicals. So in theory, just to give you a rough example of what this could mean, an ambulance driver could refuse to drive a woman with an ectopic pregnancy to a hospital to obtain a necessary abortion even if her life was in danger, Pharmacists could refuse to fill birth control prescriptions or give drugs to induce a miscarriage, even if a patient's doctor had approved it. So basically, anyone in the medical industry just could be like, nah, don't want to do it. Mm. So this actual rule came in the form of a 440-page document. But the main reason I want to bring this up is that today, U.S. District Judge Paul... Engelmayer mm-hmm. struck down the rules as unconstitutional, yes. nullifying all 440 pages in their entirety. Yeah. Thank goodness. Finally. Oh, yeah. finally. That was why I wanted to bring that up, because, like, fuck you guys. <laughs> well, I guess uh, hopefully his decision won't be overturned by another judge somewhere else. Oh, oh, yeah, let's hope right. not. That's all I've got Legal for this systems. week. But that's some good news. Yeah, that is some good news indeed. I, you know, it's kind of funny because it's very apropos of what we'll be talking a bit later with our guest Alex Mayer. You know about religious uh, precepts and principles getting into the the medical side of uh, yeah. of uh, and, and science. So that's yeah. going to be very very apropos. So fantastic, good good news. Mm-hmm. All right, anything else? No, Mayor. as I said, I was really tired this week. <laughs> No, that's a good one. That's a significant um, yeah. ruling. Thank yeah. goodness there are there are still judges left to rule. And, you know, in, right. this, this is also the, the reason. Way, you know, the way the law actually reads, rather than the way you want to pervert it. And I hate to say it, but this is also the reason why politics are so important in the United States is because of that. You know, because yeah. they elect their judges, and they elect, and you know, whoever party goes in there make brings their own judges. Mm-hmm. And you, you've, we've seen since the arrival of Donald Trump how they've been stacking the Supreme Court with conservative yeah. judges. And not even just the Supreme Court. Look at in the, all the judiciaries yeah. and the lower level courts. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. it's so, horrifying. So if, you, if, you're, if you're an American citizen out there, or even a Canadian citizen, it doesn't matter which citizen of the world you are, and you think, oh, my vote doesn't matter, it doesn't count, or whatever. No, it, yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Like, can you well, that's, the, that's the Republican agenda. That's why they're putting up with Trump and a lot of this other nonsense is to get as many people... Uh, as many conservative judges on the, in the courts as they can, regardless of whether they're competent or not, it's get them on there so they can they can rule in favor of uh, whatever the evangelicals want 
and mm -hmm. um, they don't even have to think. They just have yeah. to know what the, the evangelical agenda is and rubber stamp it and go from there. How long do you think it's going to take for uh, all these uh, Republican policies? No, 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 not uh -oh. for the impeachment. How long it's going to take for, or for these Republican uh, politicians to stop Cowtoning to Donald Trump to, to realize because there is a breaking point. There's a breaking point where they'll say it's either I support Trump or my career is done. And I, I think that breaking point is, is getting close. I, I think it's getting For really close to a point where they, they say I just can't support this anymore. There are some Republicans in specific states. I don't know which ones they are, but because Trump is still being supported by like ninety percent of evangelicals. Oh, yeah, of course. So I I feel like anybody in those kind of states isn't gonna switch until their voter it does because they don't care about morals, they care about winning. Mm -hmm. They don't care about exactly actually it. helping their country be better. They care about being in power. It's true. That is the religion. It's not Jesus. It's the religion yeah. is being in power. Yeah. You know, I, there, there there used to be a time when <clears throat> when people in the U.S., including the politicians and and those who were in the, the Senate and were in positions of leadership, would look at countries like Germany and they would look at countries like the Banana Republics and they'd say, "How could people kowtow?" to an autocratic mm -hmm. leader mm -hmm. yeah. like that. How is it possible for people to actually think that way? And now we're experiencing yeah. that. And it's something that I, I absolutely never thought mm -hmm. would come to pass, that people yeah. would protect someone so evil yeah. And, yeah. You know, and fall in line because the leader of the Senate says we have to do this because that's our job as Republicans. Yeah. It's horrifying. It, it just gives you just an idea. Horrifying. You know, if you want to do a, a trip back in time, let's let's compare Donald Trump and Nazi Germany there. All you have to do is say, change the phrase that, oh my God, I can't believe they lock up these poor uh, immigrant children in cages right. and change immigrant children to Jews. Yeah. And you know exactly what was said back mm -hmm. in the 1930s yeah. in Germany. And I can't believe they lock up these Jews in cages and somebody says, well, you know, they came here illegally, they shouldn't be here. Or, or That's they, exactly it's better for them. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, it's just so frustrating when it, you realize, like, that anybody who's supporting Trump now would have supported Hitler in the 1940s. And it's, it's just like, you guys suck. <laughs> it's very apropos because this weekend is also uh, Memorial Day. Yeah. Right? And, and the, the big lesson was always, you know... Uh, lest we forget. Lest we forget. I'm pretty sure a lot of people seems, forgot. Seems we've forgotten. <laughs> yes. It really seems that we've forgotten. Clearly. And it, it, I really think that we need to take a, a very strong look at the lessons of the past so we don't repeat them. And of course, mm -hmm. here from our... Our point of view, uh, as being atheist as well, is you know uh, I think we really need to start focusing. Maybe we'll talk about it next next episode. Start focusing as well as trying to get the religion out of the ceremonies and all the remembrance, yeah. uh, because it's it's the same religion that pushed uh, all these crimes back then. You know, the, Catholicism and Christianity didn't just stay neutral. In, in that fight back in, in World War Two, they, they they picked a side. They picked mm -hmm. the wrong side. They did. <laughs> they picked the wrong We're side. We're looking at you, Catholic Church. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and you see the same thing today. Today, see evangelicals with Donald Trump, right? Mm -hmm. they, 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 if you go throughout history, religion has always picked the side of the oppressor, the one that was in power. 
The one that will keep them in power. Yeah, and of course there's a lot of stories of, you know, some priest, you know, saving children here and yes. there. Of course. But, but if those you are look, outliers. If you look as a whole, religion always had a dark, a shadowy role in the, in these things. And it's really high time for us to really cast that aside. Mm -hmm. anyway, oh, by the way, uh, if you haven't watched this, there's this wonderful documentary series on Netflix called The Family. Hmm. I've been hearing about this uh, over the internet. Uh, I watched the first episode last night. It's how Christianity, the evangelicals, get into power in Washington. Really? Yeah, and it's it's essentially almost a cult. And it's hmm. I've just seen the first episode. It's bloody scary as hell. I highly yeah. recommend you guys watch that. It really is. So anyway, going on that, uh, let's take a quick pause. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Alex Weir about dying with dignity. So stay with us. In a world torn apart by a lack of reason. And I think it should be religion treated with ridicule and hatred and contempt. And I claim that right. In the morning. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Stanley from the Right to Reason podcast. And if you subscribe now, you'll get free. about the broadcast at therighttoreason.com. Hi, I'm God, and I just wanted to make sure to tell you not to listen to Unapologetics on Stitcher and SoundCloud. That's Unapologetics with an X at the end. But, uh, yeah, definitely do not listen to the show. I mean, I swear to me, alright, I will murder my son. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of already did that, but, uh, don't, just don't listen to the show, okay? Hey, Lucy. Can you not, can you not call me that, okay? We already went over what my name is, okay? It's Lucifer. Alright, look, Lucy. Uh, you want to come with me? I'm going to go fuck with this guy, Joe. No, don't, don't do that, okay? Can you just leave him alone? Yeah, I'm gonna kill his family. No, don't, don't do that. I'm gonna give him sores all over his body. Don't, don't, don't do that. That's disgusting. And, uh, I'm gonna kill all of his livestock. Just, uh, stop, stop saying things. Just stop. And I'm gonna blame the whole thing on you. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go, bud. Remember, don't listen to unapologetics on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Hey, definitely listen to that show. It's awesome. It's really cool. He's really a dick. I heard that. The problem is that whenever somebody seriously represents his belief that Elvis is still alive in a conversation, in, in, on a first date, at a lecture, at a job interview, mm -hmm. uh, he immediately pays a price. Yeah. Yeah. He, he pays a price in ill-concealed laughter. Right. Okay. Now, surely you can agree that, with that, that, that. That is a good thing. Now, he can, now, then he could rattle on about, this is not a scientific claim. Uh, this is a matter of faith. You know, when I look at you, I, I see you might be Elvis. I mean, he, he, could, he could do this. Co 
co-chair of the Dining with Dignity Vancouver chapter. He's a snappy dresser and a sassy dancer. Alex, thank you so much for joining us on Left of the Valley. Thank you for inviting me. I only take like, five takes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Alex, uh, this is this is a, a, a time of year where people really start thinking nostalgia and the, the holiday seasons is around the corner and people start thinking about their lost loved ones and there's also a, 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 a question of what happens when we face our own mortality and the end of life and I think this is a very important conversation to have uh, so maybe you'd be so kind to uh, explain to us and our audience what is Dying with Dignity? Uh, Dying with Dignity is a, an organization that's been around for almost 25 years now. And um, initially, uh, what the organization was, uh, was focused on was fighting for the right for medical assistance in dying. Um, and that, so that was kind of the, um, the focus of the organization for many, many years. Uh, and, and then once the legislation came into place in 2016, um, you know, we actually thought that we that our role would would diminish, and, and we, you know, we wouldn't have to be around any longer. But what we discovered is that there are, you know, because of the the limitations in the uh, legislation and uh, access issues for people, um, and also uh, there being other end of life issues out there that there that we're still a fairly active organization. We, our, our priorities obviously have changed, um, but uh, we, 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 um, we find the need to focus on, uh, on, on several different issues. Mm-hmm. And, and ju- just, so, just so you're aware, the, the organization has what they call the four pillars. And so th- these are, one, one is about eligibility, and this is, um, ensuring that the made legislation complies with, you know, the Constitution and the Charter of Rights, and so that's where we that's where we get into all these, uh, you know, we look at the limitations in the legislation and then advocate for change. Mm-hmm. We try to uh, improve, make sure that Canadians have access to medical assistance in dying. And so we have, for example, an independent witness program that, that w- where we we go in and, and help people with. Uh, well, we we witness them when they're um, applying for uh, medical assistance and dying. Mm-hmm. We provide support services for people who are going through this. For to, this is for individuals and families, and we also um, do some education. We have presentations on advanced care planning and uh, patient rights and that sort of thing. So those are kind of the four areas that the organization is focused on. Fantastic. And of course, when we're talking about death, nobody knows more about death than our own Nancy here. And Nancy, you also volunteer for these people. I, I do. I do. It's it's important. Uh, Alex, do you mind if I explain just a little bit about the witness program? Yeah, please do. Oh, good. Well, shortly after the law, where the MAID uh, procedure uh, became legal, this um, is in 2016, right? In, in 2016. So it became illegal across the country to uh, have assisted uh, in dying. Okay. Correct. And, and part when someone wants to have access to the procedure, they have to sign a form that has some specific questions on it uh, to determine whether or not that person is eligible or not. And there are about eight questions that determine whether or not uh, a person's death is in the foreseeable future, if they're 
they're over 18, um, whether or not they understand that the form um, allows uh, the, the practitioner to come in and perform the procedure and that they know that they're going to die as a result of and the this procedure. Is, this it's is a the legal form, form. This is the form you're giving me, right? It's a, it's a legal form. And what was happening was that there were many people who um, wanted to have the procedure, but for one reason or another, they could not find family or friends that were supportive of their decision, or they didn't want to tell other people that they were going to have the procedure. They wanted to keep it private. And so... Um, Sue Hewson was one of the first um, people in, in Vancouver to volunteer, and with her efforts, um, she had other people join her, and the, the, the witness program was born. And what happens is, is that um, a person makes a request to have the procedure. They, they uh, get the, the forms and the information from, from their health authority. In our area, it's Fraser Health Authority. And then two independent witnesses who do not know the patient, who are not involved in that person's care, who don't have any benefit from um, any mm-hmm. of, the, uh, of the will. They're not a beneficiary. They're absolutely independent. They're the ones that witness the patient uh, filling out the questionnaire, and then the, the the witness then sends it off to Fraser Health. But the request is just that it's a request, and it doesn't tie the person to the procedure. They can change their mind any time. But what it has done is it it has given. Um, people the ability to have a witness that they can trust mm-hmm. in one of the most intimate decisions that they will ever make and they know that that witness is not going to tell anybody else that their wishes order, yeah. are going to remain confidential. Anything else that you need to add? I kind of went over it pretty quickly. Um, well, this is the form you've given me here. That's, that's the form. So. Anything else that you need to add to my quick um, overview, Alex? No, that was good, Nancy. I just just want to clarify, when you mentioned family members, um, you you did cover it later saying that um, anyone who would, who, Who's in the will could not be right. cannot be a witness, and that's why, generally speaking, family members can't sign because most family, if you've got family in your will, they obviously can't be witnesses for you, yeah. and and so so what happens is you get especially some older people who, um, you know, a lot of their friends have died already, and they they don't have a big circle of people that they can that they can call on. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's and that's that's when we get called in. Now, I, I, it's, it's interesting that Nancy gave us, each one of us here, one of the form, uh, the patient request record. I, I just want to ask, uh, um, you guys, uh, yeah, Kirsten and Christine, you guys, you guys have the same page mm-hmm. I have. Is it normal because on my page it says Kevin and there's a big red stamp that says do not resuscitate? <laughs> is, that, is that normal? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I do, I do not, uh, yeah, do, do not resuscitate. It's a whole other discussion. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but this this is this is something that you guys have been fighting for before the law passed in 2016 in in Canada and yeah. uh, and something that it's a bit like you you alluded to a bit earlier it's something you guys are still fighting for because there's obvious pushback here especially coming from the religious right uh yeah that's that's part that's part of the issue yes but, but there are but there are some limitations in the legislation as well which we think need need to be um 
you know, need to be addressed. So what are, what are these limitations we're talking about right now? And is this a, a Canada-wide thing or is it from province to province? Uh, it, the, the legislation is federal. It's Bill C-14. Mm-hmm. Um, but the administration of it, because it falls under health care, it it, it's administered by the province. And then, with the, and then in BC, what the province does is then they, they um, basically ask the health authorities to, to administer. And that's why there are made teams within each health authority. Mm. Okay. But, the legis- but the legislation applies nationally. Um, Quebec has its own bill, Bill 52. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but Bill C-14 would apply everywhere else. And you, and you said you alluded a bit earlier that uh, uh, across Canada, this is a movement that's growing, but it seems to be growing even more here in the West. Uh, yeah, well, people, yes, that's that's right. It's it's used more in BC than, than elsewhere. Okay. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, um, I think BC has actually done a pretty good job with getting, with educating people about MAID and, and getting the word out there what it's all about. Um, yeah. You know, I'm still surprised sometimes when I when I run across people who say to me, "Oh, is it legal?" Because <laughs> um, they're, they're not aware. But um, and I think that's the the challenge in in some other 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 provinces is that there it really is not talked about very much or not advertised very much. No, it's it's not. And I think a lot of Canadians have a tendency to watch a lot of American media TV, uh, television. And I think yeah. in the states the movement is not as far ahead as it is up here. So, uh, do you, are you aware of some of the differences between the uh, Canadians and, and the Americans as far as the dying with dignity is concerned? Yes. Um, the, yeah, and the numbers are lower there. Even though, like, Oregon's had it uh, the longest and their numbers are, are, are much smaller than ours. And um, there, there are there are a couple significant differences in in the U.S. Um, it's it's done by oral it's oral medication. So what happens is the, the person has to take the drugs themselves. So they go to the, the doctor will give them a prescription, then they go get the prescription filled, and then and then it's up to them to take the drugs. In Canada, um, the, the, there is a doctor or a nurse practitioner there. Um, so, and it's, so almost all of them are done by, lethal, by a, an injection um, in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, rather than than oral medication. And and the the challenge in the U.S. with this with the way they have it is that um, the the drugs are in very short supply. So there's a, there's a long waiting list. So when someone applies for it, they often have to wait to get the drug, which is problematic, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, and also, they have to pay for it. In Canada, it's all covered by our medical system, mm-hmm. um, and the drugs you know, the drugs are very expensive. Mm-hmm. And so, it actually excludes it, it actually excludes a lot of people in the U.S. because they can't afford the drugs. Wow! So, so they've got some pretty pretty significant challenges. And plus, there's as as you were t- alluded to, the the religious lobby is quite strong in in parts of the states. A lot of the hospitals are operated by. Um, Religious groups mm, and yes. they, and they they can they can exempt themselves from from offering the service. Yeah, that's, so. that's one of the problems that we have right here in the country as well. There's a lot of uh, Catholic hospitals, especially uh, that have been there since. My God, this is almost a province was founded. Or the country was founded, right? And then yeah. the the and they they have the right to say no. 
Right. So, so Providence Health, for example, what they what they do um, do though is they allow like we go in and we witness. So I'll use St. Paul's Hospital as an example. We do go in and we witness requests there, and then they do allow uh, doctors to come in because two two independent medical assessments are required to ensure that the person meets the criteria. So, so, so the the request goes in. Then two doctors come in independently do the assessment. Um, and Providence does allow that to happen at their facilities, but what they don't allow is for the procedure to take place um, at, the, at their facilities. So, and and this results in what we refer to as forced transfers, where you forcibly transfer the patient elsewhere. Mm. And this is also the, this is also the issue we have right now. At Delta, you mentioned uh, earlier Delta Hospice. Um, uh, that's an issue there as well. Mm. So that's that's so that's one of the that's one of the uh, and that's another area that we get involved in, um, trying to trying to get that changed. How easy? But when I, when I talk to the public, you talk to Joe Blow in the public there, and, and yeah. they, they're always kind of misinformed about you know how easy or how hard is it for somebody to end their life in that sense, right? I mean, they'll they'll say, for example, you know, what if what if you're feeling really depressed one day and you know you just want to end it, but then you change your mind, or you know, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm in a hospital and I eat hospital food, I just want to die right there myself as well. So, uh, how easy is it? To, to to get the process going and how easy to get out of it in case you change your mind. You, you can change your mind at any time. So uh, um, as Nancy was saying, like just because the person fills out the request, that does not obligate them, right? And so what, what some people, the way they, just, they describe it to me is they feel as, it's like an insurance policy. They like if they qualify, what they do is they go through the process, and if they qualify, and they know that they've got that option available to them, and they say it's such a it's a weight off their shoulders is what they say, and they release that they know that uh, once they've been approved, that 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 option is is open to them. Um, but back to your question though, about whether any, any, anyone can do it, uh, I'd, I'd say no, because one of the conditions is you have to have a grievous and irremediable medical condition. And so these these doctors that come in to do your assessment have to—they're that's why they're there. They're 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 to determine whether your medical condition meets the, meets the criteria. So 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 what what, what is a grievous? Medical. I mean, we can understand if it's like terminal four cancer. We can understand that. But yeah. for, in in the grayer zone, you know, especially when it comes to mental health, what what, what is what is defined as a, an example yeah. of grievous? You know, that, that's right. Mental health is that's the challenging one. That's one of the that's one of the limitations in the legislation. Actually, um, uh, it like right now the way the legislation is written. Um, if if you you, you have a uh, dementia, for example, or Alzheimer's, um, you likely will not with with no other medical conditions. You likely will not will not qualify. Now, having said that, there was a very re- very recent case. I don't know if you heard about it in Victoria, where um, uh, his name is uh, Gail Garlock. Um, his wife just went public. This is I think he. Um, I think he died in August of this year, and his his wife went public um, because he had um, he had Alzheimer's and or it was uh, sorry I'm looking for that I have the details here somewhere. Um, it was a it was a form of dementia, mm-hmm. and. 
And what happened with him is the the um, his doctor. It was sorry. He had it's called Louis body dementia. Is what he had, and his his doctor monitored him over a, a, a long period of time, and he had requested medical assistance in dying, and it became obvious to her that his condition was irremediable and in decline, and he was suffering, but but he was lucid. He was lucid enough right up until the end, and and so he was able to access MAID. And the condition that most people with dementia have, of course, is that they're not lucid, and that's one of the requirements. You have to be, you have to be mentally competent um, when you request MAID, and also right up until the the until the time that the uh, the procedure is delivered right on that day. You have to be lucid. So, um, so this is the challenge for people with, you know, with mental illnesses is is making that determination. So, it's a it's a very challenging part of the legislation, and that's that's one of the areas that um, uh, we, you know we want to address through what we call advanced requests, mm-hmm. where someone someone could say in advance if they get to a if they get to this. You know, if they get to a certain point, they want to go ahead with MAID. So, um, there's there's ongoing discussion on this on this whole topic. So, so essentially, if I if, sorry, Nancy, if if I, if I can jump in, let's say for example, you take me. Uh, I, I'm still, you know, I'm midlife. I'm in great shape physically, but I realize, you know, 15 years down the road, that my my brain is going to mush. And you know, I'm still in great great shape, and I basically say, okay, you know, once I'm once I can't recognize anybody, and I'm no longer there, I'm no longer Kevin. Just pull the plug. You guys can yeah. do that, or do I actually? No. No, you can. No, you cannot do that. No. It, what What's happening is that if you have let's let's have an example. You have someone who has advanced cancer of one kind or another, and it's irreversible. There's no question that you're you're going to die, and mm-hmm. you're going to die as a result of the cancer. At the same time, you find that. Um, your 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 parents may have had Alzheimer's. You understand that you're also a candidate, and you and your Alzheimer's might begin to um, uh, occur faster than than the cancer. So that you you feel as though your Alzheimer's is is going to um, interfere with your being able to have capacity or be lucid at the time of the procedure. And what is happening, which is so sad, is that people with advanced cancer who feel as though they're going to lose capacity will end, will ask for the procedure sooner rather than later while they still are able to agree at the last yeah. minute that yes, they want the procedure. So yeah. people are actually losing, let's say two or three years of life because they fear that if they put it off, that when the time comes, that they're not going to be able to, to respond appropriately. Mm. So you do have, have people who have been quite famous, you know, in, in, the, in their ad, advocacy in, in ending their life and, and talking about it um, on on video, in hopes that um, the law, you know, will finally be amended so that you can have an yeah. advanced an advanced re- advanced request. Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah. you know it, the the foreseeable it's the foreseeable future part of the form 
is what is is uh, at, at this point up in the air yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 Well, j- j- sorry, just expanding on that, Nancy. Yeah, the other case that you're talking about, the the the, the recent one is Audrey 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 Parker. Yeah. From Halifax. Yeah. So, so last year, so she she's the woman. She had stage four breast cancer, which had metastasized, and she had a brain tumor uh, that, from that. And she opted for maid, um, even though she she had hoped to last through Christmas. She said, "I can't take that chance," and so she ended her life on November the first uh, last year. Wow. And but she was very articulate, and she uh, um, kind of. Raised awareness about this issue, and so there is a there is um, an amendment that's been drafted. It's called Audrey's Amendment, and this is one of the things that our the, our organization is pushing for is is getting the federal government to change the legislation so that so that people who have been have been assessed and approved in cases like Audrey's um, should be allowed um, you know should should be allowed to make an advance request. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you can make a, if you make your will and you make your financial settlements prior to Alzheimer's setting in, and your will is a- approved and it's executed, it should be the same in terms of the maid. There, to me, there's there's an absolute parallel. If one is approved, you know, and then you have Alzheimer's, the will still goes. Nobody yeah. contest. I mean, you can contest it, but it's still legal. Mm-hmm. And so, when you make a request and Alzheimer's or brain tumor and the results of that brain tumor, there's no reason why your request, when you were when you had capacity and were lucid, shouldn't shouldn't be honored at the, in the same way. And the Alzheimer's Society is now advocating for that as well they're not standing in the way that's a and that's a very recent change yeah. that's that but that was just this year they changed they yeah. they uh, yeah which is good which is good to see um nancy you were you were you were starting to talk then about uh, uh this reason reasonably foreseeable yeah which i think which i think is a um a, a, it's kind of a separate issue um but one that, that we also feel quite strongly about and if, if i can just talk about the quebec cases recently oh, my um, so there were there were two cases in Quebec. One was with uh, Nicole Gladue, the other was Jean Truchon. And so these were two individuals who had um, debilitating, who have they're still alive, have debilitating diseases, and they were challenge, challenging the reasonably foreseeable um, criterion in the made, in the made legislation. And let, let let me just back up with some history here. The, the that that. Stipulation that your death has to be reasonably foreseeable was put into the B into Bill C fourteen, um, but it was not um, in the court. Ca- the court case that led up to Bill C fourteen was the was the Kay Carter case in BC, and she's the one that um, challenged the, the challenged what was going on in Canada at the time. And as a result of that court case, um, the, the 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 court laid out what they call the Carter criteria, and that's basically what you see in the legislation now. But the reason reasonably foreseeable was not in the Carter criteria. It's when it went to Parliament, the the, all the politicians got talking, and the only way they could get it through because there were people worried about um, patients being taken advantage of, and so they put this this re- requirement in the legislation that your death had to be reasonably foreseeable, and 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 that is that has been challenged in several court cases. The two in Quebec. There was also one in uh, in BC. Um, so what happened um, just a couple of months ago, it might be three months ago now, um, the court ruling came down and the the judge said that the 
statutory provision requiring natural death um, infringes life, liberty, and security of the person guaranteed by Section 7 of the Charter of Rights. So the judge basically struck it down, and they said that, they said that is an unrealistic, um, it, it you know, violates the person's rights. And um, the, the judge, furthermore, she gave Canada and Quebec six months to remedy the legislation to, to, to fix this. So this came out right. This came out during the federal election uh, campaign, mm. and so and so it became an issue. And so um, the the Greens, the NDP, and the Liberals all said they will not challenge the the court, the court ruling, which is which is a good thing because that means once it's not challenged, that means it'll 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 be precedent setting, and and this reasonably foreseeable thing will get basically get struck down. Um, However, the Conservatives said they were going to rewrite the legislation anyway. No, say, yeah. say it ain't so. The Conservatives had to challenge that? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, the foresee- anyway. what, what the foreseeable future clause was doing was that you have people with ALS and other degenerative neurological diseases who were maybe in their 30s or 40s and it, they were suffering, mm-hmm. but they couldn't access. They can't access the program because their death is not in the foreseeable yeah. future. So that that has to change. Yes, and that was that was the Julia Lamb case in BC, and she was 25 years old. And um, what happened this year is the the courts said she meet you meet you meet the criteria. So they actually ended up the BC Civil Civil Liberties Association, which was which had brought the case forward. They basically. Uh, withdrew their case because uh, they, they the courts agreed that 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 she met the criteria. So, so this is so this is a good sign. And I, I think what was also happening because of this reasonably foreseeable, it was scaring off a lot of doctors who were doing assessments because they said like, what? Wh- how do you define reasonably foreseeable? That right? was my that was my next question. Right. How do you define right? that? Right. Right. So it so it, it's a it's very gray and scared it scared a lot of doctors. And so it, it'll be it'll be great if they if it gets thrown out. And it's, it's looking pretty good right now that that will happen. Wow, wow, it's, it's, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yes. Because it, so there's no so if, if if you knew, for example, that there's no there seems to be a time limit for foreseeable future. But if you knew that a person doesn't you know can go 25 years, it's still foreseeable future. But it, right now, it, it wouldn't apply to a situation like this, right? You need the guy. I don't know. Let's say I had a disease, and they say, "Well, Kevin's got uh, hamster brain, and he's not going to make it. He's, he made a maximum of twenty-five years. It's foreseeable future, but it's not. It, it wouldn't fall into the same criteria. I wouldn't be allowed at this point, uh, as the law is written, to actually go for assisted uh, dying. Right? Well, it depends. I mean, you you have, you have to meet all the other criteria as well, oh, right? Like your your what your disease has to be grievous and irremediable, right? So. Um, well, trust so, me. There's no cure for hamster brain. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you suffering? That's. I mean, so you have to meet all the all, all the criteria, right? So you got to be suffering. You have to be in pain. All those all those other things, right? What if the people okay. around me are suffering? Because I'm looking at Christina and Kirsten right now, and they're basically shaking their heads again. I can't believe we're actually part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> painting a very positive picture there uh, but uh, for the average person out there what what can they do to kind of help 
this gone along. I mean, it, it seems to me that I know this seems to make so much sense. And I hear people talking all the time, like, Jesus Christ, you know, I can put my dog to death, to, to death in no time and don't have to go through all these hoops. And, and why can't we do that for people? So what can the average person do to actually help with this? Um, the first, first thing I would say is um, write a letter to your MP because the Bill C-14 is up, is up for review, review this year. It's mandated. So it will, it will be reviewed this year. So now is the time to talk to your MPs about what your concerns are. And, and, and what we would like to see is we want to see the reasonably foreseeable clause taken out. Um, we want to, um, Audrey's amendment adopted so that people who have been assessed and approved um, um, can access MAID. Mm -hmm. And also lift the, um, lift the unfair ban on advanced requests, um, which means they could because that's what affects people who have dementia and other, and other conditions like mm -hmm. it. So those are kind of the three mm -hmm. changes that we'd like to see in the legislation. Mm -hmm. And so and so and the only way to make that happen is to you know to, you know get the politicians to um, to to focus on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. it's it seems to me that you know Canada being a, a mostly secular country, and I think the, uh, if you were to do a poll of the population, I think the population would be really in favor of what Diane Wadini is doing. So, what is it that's stopping the politicians from agreeing to this? It seems like you know, yeah, they've twenty sixteen has come along, but it seems very slow. This is something we should have gone way past by now. So, it, when you when you guys are going to Ottawa and these places, what is it that you're hearing from politicians? Why why the the, the, the slow turn of the wheel here. Well, I mean, there is there there is some, a lot of caution out there, especially among some you know some some of the um, religious groups do, don't agree with this, right? With they don't agree with made period. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so here we are. We've got so we, here we have um, a legal right now to medical assistance in dying, but we believe that there are there it's it's too limiting, and yet there's some people that that think that that. You know, we should actually like. I mean, the Conservatives were going to rewrite the legislation, and you know which way. That you, we know that it wasn't going to. They weren't going to make access easier, right? Yeah. So, so, and there are a lot of Conservatives out there, right? So, I mean, there's so there's a lot. There is there is some division, but but I. But having said that, I've got to say, support for made is quite strong across Canada. Um, the numbers have grown. It, back in back in the back in the nineties, this is in the Sue Rodriguez days. It was it was about. Um, about sixty percent in favor of made, and then by twenty eleven, it had jumped to sixty seven percent. In twenty fifteen, it was seventy eight percent. And now, from the surveys that they've done in the, over the last year, it, depending on which survey you look at, it's between eighty and eighty five percent. Yeah. And how many um, people have actually accessed the service since it was legal, Alex? Um, there've been about seven thousand across Canada. There we wow. go. Yeah. 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 And and in BC this year. There have been nine hundred up to up to the end of September this year nine hundred and twenty six. So um, you know so so it's yeah so BC, BC is uh, kind of at the forefront. Yeah. yeah, you know that's almost your kill count too, Nancy. <laughs> we we don't reveal those things. In <laughs> and so how many how many um, how many has have been witnessed by our by our group? Um, since the beginning, when did you start? Did you start keeping a tally on how many we've actually been witnessing here in the in the Lower Mainland? Yeah. Yes. So last year in the Lower Mainland, we witnessed uh, 138. 
And so far this year, we are at about 170 something. Mm. Yeah. About, wow. yeah, about, about 180 now. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. Alex, uh, another question uh, for our neighbors. A lot of our audience is in the United States. If, if an American wanted to, um, for lack of a better term, die with dignity, uh, could he or she come up here and get the procedure done if their state doesn't allow it? Uh, no. no. You have to be, you've, you've got to be um, eligible for health services uh, funded by the federal or provincial government. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so someone who's from the states, obviously, you know, because they don't have residency here, they wouldn't have that. So another reason for American friends to become Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers that we have a longer lifespan than the Americans anyway, so you can live longer and then die with dignity up here as well. <laughs> yeah, they're only in the in the U.S. They're only there. I think there are nine states now that that where made is allowed. Oh well, that's okay. I thought it was um, less than that. So that's progress. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it's yeah, it's about nine states. It covers about twenty five percent of the population. Okay, excellent, excellent. Alex, uh, thank you so much for helping us with all this today. We really, really appreciate this. Um, if you'd be so kind, maybe send me some of the links that people can use. I'll put them in the notes of the show, and uh, sure. people people can access them and hopefully learn more about dying with dignity. Perfect. That's great. Is there another question we need to ask Alex before we let him go? Perfect, Alex. No, is there any Alex? Is there anything? left unsaid that you want to go out there before we um before we say goodbye no i think uh i think we've covered all the key all the key points i, I just i do want to say though that the in terms of uh, if people want information about medical assistance and dying the the health authority websites are pretty good the, um and, and if you just if you just google Medical Assistance in Dying BC. Mm-hmm. Um, it will take you to the there's the, there's a government website which has all the forms and describes the, the procedure. But then, but then each of the health authorities also have got um, some. Uh, you know they have their made teams who are very knowledgeable and help people through the whole process. And let's face it, when you read a, uh, a government website, you probably want to die right there anyway. I mean, <laughs> this, this stuff will kill you. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much. Before I let you go, I gotta have you say hi. This is Alex of Dying with Dignity, and I took a left to the valley. Okay. <laughs> Do you want me to say that? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, hi. This is Alex Muir. And what do you? Uh, sorry, I missed what I was supposed to say. <laughs> I took a left of the valley. I took a left of the valley. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Alex of Dine with Diddy. This is a very, very important topic that people don't talk a lot about. It, it, it is, and I'm so glad we had Alex on because he's such an expert in so many ways, and uh, he is an active witness as well. Yeah. So he he brings a lot of compassion and knowledge, you know, to to our group, and um, he's just an outstanding guy. And I'm I'm glad we did talk about it because it's something that people need to talk about more often. Yes. People are reluctant to do wills. They're reluctant to do advanced planning. And when the time comes, it's as though no one has ever died before except them or or in their family. So the more we talk about it. The, the, the more people are going to be able to, to, yeah. to have a, a more, hopefully a more compassionate and, and uh, a tranquil death. And as an atheist show, we talk a lot about the flaws of religion, but we don't talk a whole lot about the flaws of uh, atheism itself. And that is one of the flaws of atheism. Yeah. We don't talk a lot about death. And we really don't have much to offer 
when it comes to death. So this is really, really important. You know, we can, you know, religion can always bring the, the, the comfort story of the heaven and all that stuff. And they have a sense of community. And I think, you know, when you're approaching your twilight years, uh, a lot of people get more scared about that. Like the, uh, the comedian George Carlin used to say, you know, they start popping open their Bible because they're cramming for their finals. <laughs> right, <laughs> they're studying for their finals. Ah, George so it's it's something that we need to do more as a movement is to deal with the finality of our own life, of our own mortality, uh, except for Nancy, of course. Uh, but you know, the rest of us mortals have to deal with this, and uh, to to um, to just hide and not talk about it is not a good approach. The the the, the hardest part is broaching the conversation yes. itself. Mm-hmm. Once you get beyond that and people do start to communicate, it's amazing mm-hmm. how much information that you never knew about the other person comes out. And then at least if you're the person who is in charge of someone um, who has a, a disease or an illness that's terminal, you know what their wishes are. And so when the time comes, you can do you can make their wishes uh, what what they want in a compassionate way rather than trying to guess mm-hmm. or yeah. n- not n- not even talking with them about uh, made because you think it may be something that that they're going to be resistant exactly to. You, yeah. you you hear a lot of atheists will talk about you know oh you know once I'm dead I'm dead and it lights out and I don't care I don't care what you do in my body yeah but you, you we're not talking about this here we're talking about just before. You know, it's just before, because we always assume we're just going to kill over and that'll be it. But what if you're in a state where you're really suffering and you're really incapacitated and you're really, really having a hard time? We don't talk a whole lot about Well, that. even before that, Kevin, people need to think about an, an advanced planning mm-hmm. so that they have documented exactly you know, the parameters of this is what I want when the end is near. This is the type of care that I want. This is what I don't want. Mm-hmm. And so when you discuss it and people know that, then as you approach the, the time when you are in pain, you're, people know what, what to do and you can be at peace knowing that your wishes will be carried yeah, out. Exactly. It's a very profound um, process, but necessary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so hopefully the, the movement will get bigger and bigger up here in Canada, and hopefully in the United States they'll mm-hmm. grow bigger as well. I was surprised by the nine states. Well, that's it's a good start, you know, mm-hmm. it's a good start. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully this will get better and better as well. Thank you so much, guys, and thank you for Alex for joining us today on the show, and thank you for listening. You can find us at com. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, at LETV Podcast. You can send us an email at leftadvalley@outlook.com. Send you complaints or your death requests to Nancy on the third floor but beware of the incoming knife <laughs> give us a five star review where you find us it helps us and helps others find the show what else can I say you can become a patron like your friend FreeSleeper215 and get some uh, great behind the scenes look uh, just go to patreon slash LETV okay coming up we were supposed to do something with David Fitzgerald, and we will. David had a bit of a schedule snafu, so we have to push him back a little bit. So we will have David Fitzgerald. That's okay. I can read more and get more questions. That's right. We'll have Jeff Cohen from FAIR talk about uh, bias and unbiased media. We'll have the brazen atheist, and uh, she was a stripper. That will be interesting. And then, of course, we'll be in December. We'll have our end-of-the-year show, our Christmas special, everything going on. We'll have our old friend Dr. Del Rey will come back. Yay! 
and uh, he's got a guest as well. He'll be actually in the region soon enough, so that'll be interesting. And in the new year, we'll have the incredible Tracy Harris from the Atheist Experience and the Godless Bitches. She'll be starting off the year with us. Yes, that'll be fantastic stuff. All right, anything else we need to add? Communicate with people. Yes. Just talk to people. It's important. Talk, mm-hmm. Yeah, talk to your elders about it. Talk to your kids about it. It's an important subject. Not just that, just communicate in general. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about dying with dignity or listening to the show? I was talking about just talking to people about... I was trying to get them to listen to the show. Okay, fine. <laughs> talk listen about the, the show, show too. and communicate with us. Yes. There we go. There. Once you listen to the show, you can go die with dignity. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Until next time. It's a disease. It comes from culture. Only true on a regional scale. Science is universal. Were you to say that Horus isn't real, but Jesus is. Or Zeus, Thor, or Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them. I think the reason is apparent. You do what you're told and believe. Oh, my God. Try that again. Turn it over. And we, 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 try, we try to sober him up before each show, <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes some weeks are better than others. Yes, exactly. Now let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful. The thousands of children are raped by priests, and since they're holy men of God, they get away scot-free. And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush, don't want to affect business, he loves money too much. We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them while they plan to molest them? We teaching them to respect them, respect them. The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action or tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained, millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful. That many atheists are told to be quiet, you're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known. Skeptic and non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it.